0: Uh, and then over to Matt. Lord, we just thank you uh, for this morning, the opportunity to be together, to worship you, to glorify you, to sing of you, to sing praises for what you have done. And Lord, I just thank you uh, for Matt this morning, uh, what you have put on his heart to share with us so that we might continue to know more about you and go deeper in our knowledge and love for you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Morning everyone. Okay, so we are uh, continuing the I Am series that we're looking at. Jesus uh, saying I Am, isn't that? Um, this morning we're in John 15. If you've got a Bible, it'd be great if you can have that available. We're in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, but before we read it, um, so this was Jesus talking into a different time, uh, 2,000 years ago-ish, and a different part of the world, and to help us transport ourselves there so that we can kind of have a bit of an understanding of uh, what the original heroes would have known, um, as well as the weather that I have ordered specifically to help us get our minds into kind of... (laughs) Uh, first century Palestine, um, we're going to watch a video, um, which you may, you probably have seen this before, this is a video about um, how to prune a vine, um, that will help us understand hopefully, you have to put on the other screen, you need to unfold screen first.
2: Hi, I'm Stefano Watson, owner of Avio Vineyards in Sutter Creek, California. Uh, This time of year, we're busy pruning the vineyard, and uh, in terms of winemaking, the pruning really is the most important part of the winemaking process, because what we do in the vineyard here at the beginning of the year has huge ramifications on the quality of the wine that we're making. I wanna start off first with is really defining what uh, the parts of the grapevine of what we've got. We've got the, the trunk, and then we've got the cordons and there's really, you know, or the arms. And there's, on this system, there are two arms because it's a dual cordon trellis system. Coming out of the cordon then are the spurs, and then from the spurs, we have the canes, and that's where the grapes come off of, is on the canes each year. And so what we're doing now is grapes only come off of second year wood, we call it. So we have to prune back last year's wood so we can get new grapes on this right now. So what we're looking for off of each spur is to prune down to one cane, and on each cane we prune to two buds. Each bud will then grow into a cane itself, and each cane then has two clusters. All right, so here's the spur. And so from last year, this is last year's wood, or the year before last, and then where we pruned, we wound up getting one cane coming off of here, which originally was a bud, and then this one here. So this year, we want to go down to one cane. We prune there, and there's one bud at the base, and one bud here, and we prune here then this bud will turn out to be a brand new cane for this year and one will come off here at the base and come on up and each cane will produce two clusters of grapes so that pretty much wraps up on how what we do for uh, pruning in the vineyard Um, as i said you know the work that we do out here really is about the quality of the wine that we make later on Uh, we have 30 acres of grape here a little over 12,000 vines Uh, and you can see it takes a little bit of thought and a little bit of process to get it done. It takes, on average, about 500 man-hours to prune the entire vineyard. So thank you very much. This is Stefano with Avio Vineyards.
1: Okay, so for those who aren't regularly pruning grapevines among us, um, hopefully that gives you at least a glimpse of um, the kind of understanding that the people who had this, um, what Jesus said, would have originally thought they'd have been au fait with this, they'd have known about that, how you prune grapevines and stuff. Okay. Let's dive into the Bible. We'll read John 15one to 8. So here, um, in John, we have Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, and you know, he is deliberately using a picture that they would, they would understand. So let's dive in. So John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He's not just saying, I am a vine. This isn't just a metaphor He's saying, I'm the true vine. So when he says this, what's he referring to? So what would this, I'm the true vine, have meant to his original hearers? So Israel, the, the Jewish nation, the people of God, of the Old Testament, were described as a vine a number of times. And this uh, would have been in the minds of the original hearers, the disciples, like Israel, the vine, it's Israel, it's the people of God. Um, Let's dive over to Psalm 80. You can look it up if you want. Um, all I will read it. In Psalm 80, verse 8, um, we hear this about God. You transpor- transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered in its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. So there you have Israel described as this vine that God transplanted from Egypt when he brought the people out of Egypt and planted it. He cleared the ground and it filled the land. And then over in Isaiah 5, um, this picture of Israel as a vineyard or a vine is picked up again. Um, and we'll hear what's said. So this is uh, yeah, Isaiah 5, verse 1. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I've done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'll take away its hedge and it'll be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So this vine or vineyard was a picture of the people that God had chosen to be his. And God went to great lengths for this vine. We saw that. He he transplanted it from Egypt to a fertile hillside. He cleared the ground of stones, and it grew up. Its branches spread wide. Why does someone plant a vineyard. It's not like a flower bed. It's not just there to look nice, is it? It's not uh, for building material. It's not typically for shelter. People plant a vineyard to grow grapes. But what did God's vineyard, Israel, produce? Just bad grapes. Grapes that weren't useful for anything. They weren't good for what they were intended for. So when Jesus here says, "I am the true vine," do you see what he's doing? you see what he's saying about himself? Because this passage isn't just a metaphor about our relationship to Jesus. It's got some things to say about that. But primarily, it's not just a metaphor about us and Jesus. First and foremost, this is a statement about who Jesus himself is. Israel was God's vine. God planted it and tended it with the hope that it would produce fruit of justice and righteousness. But it didn't. It was unfaithful. It turned away from God. And so God no longer prunes it. And it became a wasteland. So now comes Jesus. He is God's new vine. This is really big. In this small statement, this is actually a pretty explosive thing for Jesus to say. Because Jesus is saying that he is actually the new Israel. Jesus is the people of God. He's the new people of God. He is actually the fulfillment of everything that Israel was supposed to be. God didn't fail with Israel. It wasn't like a plan A that went wrong and then he has to revert to some plan B. Jesus was always plan A. Israel was intended as a foreshadowing of Christ. It wasn't ever meant to be the point itself. It was supposed to point forwards towards Jesus. If you like, Israel was like the movie trailer and Jesus is the movie. Okay? So the trailer looks great, but ultimately it doesn't come through on the promises that it makes. No one says, hey, do you want to go to the cinema? What are they showing? Oh, this awesome trailer. The trailer's not the point. It's supposed to point you to the movie. And likewise, Israel was a vine, but Jesus is the true vine that Israel points towards. And this vine, Jesus, God will tend and prune. He's described in John 15, verse 1, as the gardener. He's not ever going to stop caring for it. And this vine, Jesus, will produce more and more fruit. God's intention for his people has always been to produce fruit. In fact, if we go right back to the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, God makes people, and what does he say? This is um, Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. We humans were designed to produce fruit. That's our design. That's what we're for. Which means that to be truly human, to be living out what we were made to be, we need to be producing fruit. And we'll come into what fruit means in a minute, if you're wondering that. Um, But because this was our design, we'll never be truly satisfied unless we are producing fruit. Because that's our purpose. Okay, what is this fruit? Let's have a little think about what that might mean. I think there's some uh, clues. I think um, the fact that Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful means that whatever this fruit that we are supposed to bring forth is, it's got to be something that makes sense when there isn't sin. So it's not just a response to sin, um, it's, it's, we are to do this in a world that was perfect and sinless back then it was um, so whatever this fruit is it can't be just something like just something like telling people about Jesus to be saved I'm not saying it's not that but it kind of can't be slimmed down to just something that only makes sense in response to sin um, okay so Israel was told to bear fruit as a nation plants a the vineyard to bear fruit so this fruit again must be something that makes sense on a, an, an individual level level like Adam and Eve but also on a corporate level so as a nation or as a church or a community we can bring forth this fruit and also as bearing fruit is God's intention for all people it can't be just like one specific thing and it can't require some specific ability or skill and I think it's this um, the bearing fruit means that in whatever situation or place that you're in it's bringing the rule and image of God to bear on that situation It's bringing the rule and image of God to bear. So this fruit might take many forms, um, whether you're old or young, extrovert or introvert, whether you have disabilities or none, whether you interact daily with thousands of people or just caring for one, you can produce fruit in all those situations. You can bring God's life and goodness to bear in those situations, to live out the life that God has in, in himself there. That's what Adam and Eve were called to do, to be God's God's people ruling the world after God, bringing out his life, same Israel, and same, I think, for us. In um, Isaiah 5, there we saw that the fruit that God came to Israel and wanted to find was justice and righteousness. (laughs) Um, Israel were to produce the fruit of dealing rightly with those around them, uh, to deal rightly with the vulnerable, the widows, the orphans, and the poor in their midst. They were to be a shining light on a hill, declaring the goodness of God, enjoying God's blessing and being a blessing to those around him. That's what Israel are called to do and be. So what else might it look like to bear fruit? Just some ideas. I think this is broad. Um, Maybe that means bringing peace to conflict, whether that's between siblings in your family, or between nations, or everything in between. Um, Bringing this fruit could be standing up for the oppressed, in the playgrounds and workplaces we may be in, uh, whether that's through politics or one-to-one with refugees or whatever it would be, um, bringing this fruit might mean caring for those in need in small ways that no one ever sees. It might mean simply telling another person how good God has been to you. It might mean showing kindness and grace to someone who treats you badly. Bringing, bearing this fruit might mean trusting and waiting on God when your anxious heart wants to do and fix It might mean saying no to the tempting little pleasures of this world that would rob you of the infinite pleasures of God, whether that's food or sex or drink or whatever. Maybe it would mean overcoming fear or our desire for comfort to actually take action to bring God's hope to a personal situation. Like, I think this fruit is broad. I think it's bringing God's life to bear in, in all the ways that can mean. In fact, in John 15, verse 16, a little bit on from where we read, Jesus said, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So this is, again, the nature of the fruit. This is The fruit that we're to bring forth is fruit that will last. That actually makes a difference in this world, in history. We're designed to produce fruit. But, as I'm sure you noticed in this passage, we can't produce that fruit on our own. To produce fruit, we've got to be connected into the vine. There's a repeated phrase in this passage, which is remain in me, remain in Jesus. Let me just read um, verses 4 and 5 again of John 15. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So it's always been true that humanity can't be fruitful apart from Christ. That's true with Adam and Eve. It's true for Israel. It's true for us. Jesus is this new, true vine of God. And the Bible tells us that by faith, all who believe in him are joined to him. They're grafted on to be one of his branches, of his vine. In fact, a phrase that the New Testament uses quite often um, is in Christ. Those who are trusting in Jesus are those who are in Christ. They've actually been brought into Jesus to become one with him, connected with him, such that what is true of Jesus is true of us, that we are right with God, that we're able to draw close to God, that God's spirit empowers us because we are brought into Jesus, connected to him. So, just firstly to note that we we don't get joined to Jesus by our own doing. This is something that God does. Um, If you believe in Jesus by the faith that God gives you, God joins you to Jesus. That's how you get there, we're grafted on. I just want to say that whilst this passage is talking to those who are there, who are joined to Jesus, if that's not you today, then Jesus is inviting you into this today. Uh, Jesus is saying, whoever you are, whatever you've done, that you're welcome And Jesus is saying, come to him, trust him with your life, and you also can be included with this. There's no exclusivity, there's no... um, There is no one who is not welcome to come to Jesus and be joined to him and for this to be true of as well, because it's not about us, it's about him. So Jesus says to those who are connected to him, he says, remain in me. Remain in him. What does that look like? What is remaining in Jesus? So... Verse 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Jesus is there giving an instruction. In fact, in verse 4 in the original language, I think it's a, well, it seems to be a bit closer to um, how the ESV translates it. So in the ESV, verse 4 reads, abide in me and I in you. That both parts of that, the, the people abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus, and Jesus remaining in the people, both as parts of that sentence are instructions for us to do. That seems to be the sense of the language. It's that we are to keep ourselves in Jesus and to keep Jesus in us. <clears throat> Fundamentally, this remaining is about remaining relationally connected to Jesus. As with any relationship, whether it's marriage or parenting or friendship or whatever, if you don't actively, continually connect with that person, what happens? You end up disconnected. And we see this, this connection in, in verse 7, in fact. So, verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As you I should warn you, okay, the applications from the passage today are not going to be anything you haven't heard before. Um, I'll tell you ahead of time the application from this is going to be read your Bible and pray. Okay? <laughs> Shocking, I know. But. Hopefully, what this passage does is actually brings either new light or light that we've forgotten about as to why we would want to read the Bible and pray. Um, and also, hopefully, it will increase our desire to actually use those means of grace to connect with Jesus. And I know that has for me. Um, yeah, I know that I should read the Bible and pray regularly. Like we, we know that, right? Right From when we first become Christians, that's what we're told. But it, I think it's so easy to forget um, why, and to forget the consequences of neglecting that, and easy just to think it's something we should do. Um, but it's not just something we should do, we need to understand why. Okay, so verse 7. In verse 7 we see that remaining connected involves us asking, for, asking Jesus for things that matter to us, which involves talking to him. It's, it's kind of that simple. Um, the remaining relationally connected to Jesus will involve us talking to him, telling him what matters to us, asking for his help. What else does this remaining connected look like? Verse 10 um, talks about us keeping Jesus' commands, which involves hearing what he wants us to do, what his teaching is. How do we do that? It's going to be by reading the Bible, by hearing the Bible read, talked about um, in conversations as we remind each other of the truths that Jesus taught us. Again, nothing radical, but this is what remaining with Jesus looks like. Um, verse 12, actually, as well, um, goes on to expand on that to say uh, that Jesus' command is to love one another. So living in, in line with Jesus is going to mean loving each other. That's again, connecting with Jesus, we'll be in, our lives will be in line with him, and we will be loving people like he does. In this passage, there, there's an invitation and a warning, but there's not a burden. So I think you could come to this passage and and potentially feel burdened by it. Um, but first, the warning. So the warning is in verse 6. I'm sure you saw it. Um, the warning is if we don't bear fruit, we'll be cut off. Verse 6 If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So this stuff that Jesus is talking about matters. He's using this vivid imagery of this fire, these branches being burned, to get our attention. Because this stuff matters. To heed the warning, we must bear fruit. We must. But, this isn't given to us as a burden. And if you've come away from this passage feeling burdened, then I've failed and you've missed the point. Um, because this passage calls us to take action. But what is the action that this passage calls us to take? It's not to go and bear fruit. That's not what we're told to go and do. The action we need to take is to remain in Jesus. And you see, that's the invitation. And the invitation comes with a promise. You see it in verse 5. If we remain in Jesus, if you remain in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in Jesus, you will, will, promise, will bear much fruit. Because it's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on whatever innate talents or abilities you have or don't have. It's dependent on Jesus the vine. And this is great news for those of us who are very aware of how weak we are. Um, Your ability to bear fruit in your life, to bear fruit that lasts, that matters, that makes a difference to the world, that is an outworking of your true humanity, that's not down to you, It's down to you being connected to Jesus. Okay, there's a picture. Picture two branches on a vine. Got it? Good. Right, one is nice and thick and strong-looking, and one's really feeble and weak. Okay, now imagine that thick, healthy-looking branch, kind of anthropomorphizes, as one does in an illustration, and decides he doesn't need the vine anymore. He's going to go off in another field and do the grape-growing thing himself. Come harvest... You look at the thick, strong-looking branch lying in the field in its own. Any grapes? No grapes. You come to the weak branch that stayed connected to the vine. Grapes. Because this saying of Jesus isn't a burden, it's an invitation with a promise. It's simple. Stay connected to Jesus and you will bear fruit. And another part of this promise is that when we stay connected... God's going to do something. God, the gardener, will prune us to make us into stronger branches. So, um, In another one of the videos that I watched about vine pruning, as one does, um, the man in this other video was saying that um, if they are pruning and the the vine branch is weak, what they do is they prune it to leave fewer buds on it um, so that the branch isn't trying to grow more grapes than it can sustain and cope with. So that way, by pruning it shorter, it may only produce a single cluster of grapes. But if they didn't do that pruning, it will attempt to produce all these grapes, and none of those grapes will be any good. In verse 1, Jesus says, My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And then he goes on to say, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you which initially seems weird. He just switched from pruning, talking about them being clean because of word. There's a helpful little footnote in the show on verse 2, um, which says, the Greek for prunes also means cleans. Handy. Okay, so that helps us see the link here. This cleaning is the same as this pruning, right? So the father prunes, Jesus says, you've been pruned by my words. Okay, that helps us to see kind of what this pruning is like, how it works. So at least one of the ways that the Father prunes us is by Jesus' word, his teaching. Which, which really you know, is the whole Bible, ultimately. That Jesus' teaching is, is the Bible. Which makes sense, right? We, to bear fruit, we need to stay close to Jesus, remaining in him, and let his words remain in us. By listening to and acting on Jesus' teaching in the Bible, we will be pruned by that process and will produce fruit. So, as I already gave away, the application here for this passage, I think, is to read our Bible and pray. It may be a cliche, but it's no less true. Um, If you've only recently become a Christian, you need to read the Bible and pray. If you've been a Christian for 80 years, you need to read the Bible and pray. We don't move on from that. That's going to be the Christian life, because that's about remaining connected with Jesus. And we're not just reading the Bible and praying because we should as a right. But that is how we stay connected in this relationship to Jesus, connected to the vine. When Jesus says in verse 3 that his disciples are already clean, um, he says they've been pruned already, but it doesn't mean they don't need any more pruning. Um, as the guy in the video said, you know, they, they have to prune every year because it's, you know, grapes only grow on two-year-old wood. Uh, so, this pruning, for the disciples, it had happened by Jesus' word, but it's not something that stops. It's something that has to keep going all the time if we're to produce fruit each season, wherever we might be, There's going to be pruning um, to produce fruit. So it's something we should expect. We should expect that as we stay connected to Jesus and are and immerse ourselves in God's word in all the means that can come, by talks and reading and reading books, Christian books and with Christian friends, that actually God will change us by that process, and that will keep going. Even when you are however old, um, that's still what God's going to be doing. Don't move on from that. So hopefully this passage can help us to see why we need to keep reading our Bible and praying, and warn us that if we're not actively staying connected, we will become disconnected, whether a gradual drifting over time or, you know, Sometimes it could be more sudden, but we will. And when we become disconnected, we'll cease to bear fruit and we will become worthless. We will not be fulfilling what we were made to be as humans. So don't take your connection with Jesus for granted. Um, Actively connect. Otherwise, one day, you'll find yourself disconnected. And the promise here is, that we can be truly human. We can be what we're made to be. The only place to be that is in Jesus. We were all made to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that you can produce fruit that will last by connecting, staying connected to Jesus because it's Jesus' power. It's the Holy Spirit working through you that will make that happen in your life. So however much you feel like you are not able to produce fruit that makes any difference in whatever situation you feel you're in, listen to this, like if you connect to Jesus you will produce fruit that's a promise and he keeps his promises so here we see Jesus Jesus says I am the true vine Jesus, the new Adam the new humanity he's the only one who lived a fully human life and we if you are trusting in Jesus this morning you have been brought into that life of Jesus and there's a promise all who are in Christ will bear fruit to the glory of the Father So remember, the the invitation with the promise, the warning, not the burden. Let's let's stay remaining remaining in Jesus and we will bear fruit. Which is awesome. Let's, how are we doing on time? Cool. Um, I will just pray for us and then let's just have a couple of minutes um, for you just to kind of process this and think if there's anything actually maybe you need to talk to God about Connecting with him or about trusting him to be producing fruit in our life, whatever. That? But let's have a couple of minutes just to kind of embed this in us and remember, um, yeah, what Jesus said. Let me just pray and then we'll do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that um, you are the true vine, that you are uh, the true human, and we have been connected to you such that all that is true for you is true for us. Thank you that you have a purpose for us, which is to bear fruit, and thank you that you are the one that empowers that. I pray for each person in this room that we would remain in you, that we would actively be connecting to you by the means that you've given us, through your word, hearing your teaching, speaking to you in prayer. I pray for your Spirit's help in doing that, and I pray that such fruit would come through our lives to the glory of God the Father um, that we would be amazed by that, that others would be amazed by that, and that, that your work in this world, in all the things you're doing, um, would happen through our lives. In Jesus' name.
0: Uh, Matt has brought to us this morning Uh, I love the fact that I too have gone deeper in that knowledge of who you are the true vine thank you Lord for speaking to us about that but that simple application read your Bible and talk to me and that will mean relationship with me we thank you Lord for that help us as we go from here to apply that as Matt has been saying. I know so many uh, Christians who come to me and I'm not really reading the Bible, I'm not really praying. So I encourage you to apply what Matt has said, to go away and read your Bible and to pray and talk with God the Father, His Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Tea and coffee will now be served, but also in line with what Rob said, Earlier, if you would like to pray through something and get some prayer, uh, please do come forward and uh, someone will be more than happy to pray with you. God bless and see you next week.